good to see you guys. So, so, everything good? We pray you get a double blessing today. Yeah, Father, you know, uh, you know the needs. And you're not a God who's only concerned with needs. You also know the plans and the purposes you have for them. So, Father, I ask that you give them a double blessing for their needs and a double blessing for the purposes that you have for their family and for each one of them individually, God. I pray you bless Jose and Mona, all their kids and their grandkids. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would supernaturally minister to them, to their spirit, to their soul, and to their body. Mm. We love them, and we ask that you bless them abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Really do. Love you guys. Glad you're here. All right. Y'all ready for the Bible? You want to open to Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. Candace, you doing good? Good. This is three weeks in a row. Good to see you. It's so good. And it's, it's Kate, Caitlin? K- Katie. 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 Is she doing good? She's good. We used to, I'll just say this since it's, I'll be funny. When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I, I said, if you get them there three weeks in a row, they'll become part of our family. And so this is three weeks in a row for you, so you're stuck in the family now, so <laughs> it's a trick. You give them three weeks in a row, we'll get them in the family. Amen. Amen, amen. <clears throat> I can't even, how many have ever gone through a season, you're in a time with the Lord where he's doing so many things inside of you? that you can't even think about all of them. Just raise your hand or nod at me or something, if you've ever seen that or you're there right now. I remember uh, two weeks ago or so, maybe, I, was, I went to Mandy and I said, babe, you're going to have to pray for me. And she's like, I know, I always need to pray for you. <laughs> I was like, no, you need, I, I feel like I'm in, a, in school again, like elementary school. And they're just now telling me all the colors and all the shapes. I didn't say this to her, but this is how it felt. Like, I'm learning two plus two is four. Like, I'm, whoa. And I told her, I said, babe, the Lord's showing me and doing so much in me right now that I'm afraid that I'm not going to remember all of it. I mean, I ever felt that. Oh, God, you're doing so much. Help me remember that you taught me that truth, that revelation. And, and so I think I made the statement then. If I didn't, I've been praying it. I, I don't want him to just write it on my mind. I want him to write it on my heart because I know it won't be forgotten there. I want, it to, I want to treasure, uh, like Mary, be it to me as you have spoken. And it says that Mary treasured those things in her heart that God had spoken to her through the angel of the Lord. She treasured them in her heart. And I want what the Lord's doing right now. Sometimes it feels like he accelerates the season and the growing. And I I feel not only am I there, but I feel a lot of us in this room are here. And I feel like the Bridge Church is there. Don't let the outward deceive you right now what's going on. Like, there. let me just be gut honest before. There have been many times where the the church has been in, in in a condition outwardly similar to where we're at now, and I was trying to encourage my way through it. Hey, guys, don't worry. The Lord's going to do great things. God's got good stuff going on at the bridge, and I'm trying to encourage, and let's go. Let's keep going, right? When I say that right now, I literally feel something in the Spirit that I haven't felt before, haven't seen before. I don't know if Tilly's picked up on it, the intercessors have picked up on it. There's something different in the atmosphere. And I feel like the Lord has accelerated our growth. He's accelerated what He's doing inside of our heart, the healing that's taking place, the the healing of our soul. And I feel like that acceleration uh, is 
seeding the clouds. That's what I said in the email this week to some of the leaders. I said, uh, pray and seed the clouds for the rains of revival. And I feel like that's what's happening. We're praying and we're seeding the clouds. We're, we're seeding the clouds with our, our tears, with our prayers, with our cries out and our petitions to God. And it's seeding the clouds for rain that's going to come. And I know it's coming. And I've, I love what he's doing right now that's unseen. <laughs> like, I don't... Does anyone else feel, if you feel that and you, and you really feel it, I want you to just raise your hand. You, you're with me on that. Yeah, there's something different. There really is. And what's that? Yeah. We have a prayer call on Wednesdays. You call in and pray. And we can pray and seed the clouds for revival. <clears throat> there's just something different. And so I just want the Lord to continue what he's doing, and I want him to write it on our hearts so that it becomes who we are. It's written into the DNA of who we are. So, Father, we come to you today, and we thank you because we're in school. And I declare that we will never, ever again move past being in school. We uh, repent for thinking that we graduated as Christians, and we're not in school anymore. And I love that you're bringing us back to school, and you're making us realize it. And you're blowing our minds right now with so many things, so many revelations, so many thoughts, so many truths, so much healing is taking place right now. And we love you for it. It's what we ask you for. So when we cried out asking you for it, we're going to cry out when you're doing it for us. God, thank you. And keep doing it. Write it on our hearts. I pray today you will continue to break down walls and break through lies that we would believe the truth of the gospel, that it will become life to us and strength to our bones. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a, I'm the biggest crier. I was like, you need to wear your glasses during worship so you can see the words. I was like, no, I cry too much. I can't wear glasses. I cry too much. And here I am crying again. So, oh, well, I'm going to get some windshield wipers on the inside and just <laughs> keep going. Uh, Matthew 4 is where we're going to go in just a moment. But I want to... Um, Remind us of, of things that, some things we said last week to start off, like foundational things that we need to remember. The, f- the first of those things was, come on, there you go. God is always drawing us into deeper connection with himself by his Holy Spirit. How many say that's true? God is always drawing us into deeper relationship and connection with him. He is always, number two, forming Christ in us. Remember say Christ in me. The hope of glory. That's what's happening. Christ is being formed in us. And then he's also continuing and always to move in us and transform us and change us and shape us into his very likeness. So that when people see us, they say, they said of Jesus, when we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. That's what's happening to us. And so those things are true. So if that's true, then it's our responsibility to partner with what he's doing. And if you weren't here last week, and if you, did, if you don't remember, if you didn't hear last week, you need to go back and listen to that. I think it's one of like a critical um, foundational things for where we're moving as a church, and, and it's going to bring freedom. It's going to unlock people. Uh, because I never, I always thought when someone said, oh, you're so self-righteous, or if I ever made the comment like, man, I'm, I'm self-righteous right now, I thought that meant that I think I'm better than other people. Have you ever said, like, oh, you're holier than thou? You ever heard that before? Or why you, don't get so self-righteous, meaning you think you're better than someone else. But self-righteousness was way beyond just thinking that we're better than someone else. Self-righteousness 
is really when we think that we can improve ourselves outside of God. And that is such a dangerous thing. And I feel like the Lord is beginning to reveal this and talk to us about it. And so I just want to make sure and tie up everything that was opened up last week as much as I can on a Sunday. And I want to say and encourage you, if you have questions, if things come up and you don't know, and you want to have a conversation with me, please talk to me. I, I love to have those kinds of discussions. I don't know if you notice, but most Sundays after service, there are people that come up here to the front. It's not only for prayer. A lot of times it's asking questions. I want to be approachable. I want you to know where I'm coming from. So um, if you're on the podcast, send me an email. You have a question. What I, what I didn't say last week was not to have an agenda for your life at all. What I did say was to have God's agenda for your life. We can't just not do anything and float to heaven. I don't think we can. I don't think that's possible. We can't just, well, I said yes to Jesus, now I'm done. Are you guys okay? Like, there's, there's still, this is still a partnership. It's a relationship, all right? So when I say self-righteousness is thinking that we can improve ourselves and make ourselves better, um, and, and it's having our own agenda, I don't mean not to have an agenda and not, don't try to get better. There's a difference. There's, there's this thing that happens inside of us naturally. It's human nature where we think that if we get better, people will love us more. Oh, come on. We think that if we speak better, we think if we're smarter, we think if we're more attractive outwardly, we think that if, if we're more fun to be around, we think that if we can just get better, People will love us more. Is that true? <laughs> we do believe that, but it's a lie. It's a lie in the kingdom. There is nothing that you and I can do on any level to make God love us any more than he already loves us. Do you think that God love, loves you more now that you've said yes to him than when you were lost in your worst place of your life? He doesn't love us more because we said yes to him. If that was the case, that would be manipulation. And God isn't manipulative. God doesn't love us because of what we can do for him. God doesn't love us so that it puts us in a position of feeling obligated to him. Come on, I have to I want to really get into this and I want to take my time. I don't mean length. I mean, dig into it. Have you ever been around somebody that did things to position you to a place of obligation? How, do, how dirty does that feel? It feels dirty. And you, you feel it when people are doing it, right? It's like, oh, I don't like this. This feels slimy. God is not like that. God doesn't do good things for us. God doesn't pour out his love into our hearts to make us feel like, well, I got to love God now. I got to do all these things for him. That's not how God is. God loves us, period, without performance, without doing anything. How many of you remember when your, your, your children were born? How much did you just, that first, oh, and that smile, and he remembers, look at, he, I know he remembers, I see the smile on his face. I was looking uh, this morning at the pictures of my office of when, when Josiah was born, and my eyes, like, there's no, you can't make that look come again. I don't, just certain things makes that, 
sparkle in your, when I'm carrying them out and all you see is here because I'm wearing the mask and everyone can see I'm so happy. I loved him before I even we, it was a long time before he was born like we were at the hospital forever because they were trying to induce Mandy and nothing happened forever and I was like oh my gosh so I sat down and wrote him a letter I can't wait for we knew it was a boy I can't wait for you to be born I can't you know I'm thinking about you we're here at the hospital and I'm just dreaming of meeting this little guy right for the first time and remember that did I love him because he did stuff for me or could even tell me I love you back How long does it take a child to actually say I love you back and know what that means? It takes a little while, first of all, to learn to speak and then to get the, the wisdom and the, the, the maturity to know I love you, what that really means. I mean, our kids are, are, are 11 and 8, and they're just now really learning where when they say I love you, like, oh, they kind of know what it means. And yet my love for them hasn't changed. I didn't love them more when they were born than now or vice versa my, my love is consistent but our connection changes as they understand love when they feel loved by dad they respond in a way that strengthens our bond that makes things a little bit differently and i'm saying all that because god feels that way about us and as we draw closer to him, as we mature and we learn what it means to say, well, I love you too, Dad. He doesn't love us more when we figure it out. But what happens is we step into this partnership where we know together what love means. And in that place is fulfillment. You guys okay? But God's not this dirty guy who manipulates his people into loving him back because he needs to hear I love you. He just loves us. He just loves us for, for no reason that we've given him. He just loves us. Amen? When we try... <laughs> Y'all bear with me today, all right? I'm going to try to get through this because this, this is a lesson that I'm in the middle of learning. Okay? When we try to earn, earn someone's love, whether they make us feel like we have to earn it from them or whether we just feel that way, anytime we're trying to earn somebody's love, nothing we ever do will ever be enough to earn their love. We will perform and we will act and we will do and we will serve and we will do everything. And they'll say, well, you need to do a little bit more. And we'll do, what, well, what's your list of demands? Like on, when they you know, take someone ransom on a movie, we meet their demands. Well, well, now we want more money. So when you knew you'd give us that money, let's get more money, right? Oh, we do everything. We move to the line. They're like, oh, no. And they move back a little further. You need to do this. And they just lead us around. It's, it's, you never can earn somebody's trust. You can, trust is not earned. Hello? It's, it's something that you give to somebody as a gift. Now, it has to be kept. But when we try to earn someone's love, it will never be enough, all right? This is true whether they make us feel that way or we built this wall ourselves. They will continue to move and try, and it will make it more difficult. But God loved us first. He chose us first. Then through Jesus, he removed that wall that divided us from him, all right? 
why why am I talking about this in the middle of continuing last week on what self-righteousness is? Because we get so busy pursuing God that we don't ever stop and be loved by Him. We think it's real spiritual to say, I'm chasing after God. Like, it sounds really good. It was a great book, God Chasers. I remember reading it. I love that book. But if you think of it, it's like God is always running. And when you get to him, he moves somewhere else. And then he gets, it's like he's slippery. You can't, it's like the, the greased pig. You get a hold of him and he slips out and runs somewhere else. And you got to do something and grab him again. He slips out. <laughs> no, I did not call God a greased pig. <laughs> You're hearing what I'm not saying. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like that. You guys still good? I want to kind of break it down even a little bit different. How many of you have Facebook, Instagram? Most people in the room. It's, It's Big Brother invited into our homes freely. Yeah. How many of you follow or um, are friends of religious people, spiritual leaders? I am. A lot of different ones, right? How many knows that every day there's like, yeah, every one of them will send out three to five to ten different words? It's a prophetic word. It's an encouraging word. It's this or that, right? I'm speaking for me too. In that culture, it's so easy to forget what God's doing in us right now to chase this other thing. I'm trying to bring us to something simple. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying listening to the more word, the better. Great. The problem comes in when, I'm, when I don't know what God's agenda is for me right now, but I'm hearing all these other voices and all these other things speaking into me saying this is what God's doing in you right now, when they, no offense, they don't know me right now. But God knows me intimately. And it could be very, it happens very often where God is doing a thing inside of me and I'll hear a prophetic word that's true or a a, a revelation. It's true. Oh, that's good. But that's not for this day for me. Or that's for a future. Or that was good where I was before, but I'm not there anymore. Now I'm... Am I making any sense? And so what happens is instead of keeping God's agenda, we invite a spirit of self-righteousness. That's, this is really what it is. A spirit of self-righteousness to come in and partner with all these words. And some of them are good. Most of them are good. But what, what's wrong with it is me saying, I need this for right now. We don't even know what we need. How many of you have ever prayed out, prayed to God, cried out to God and said, I need something from you and you're telling him what it is, but he does something completely different, yet it met what your heart's desire, like that scratch you couldn't get to, and it wasn't even the thing that you asked him for. Why? Because he knows what we need before we even ask him. And what happens? We get so busy and we, and it comes from this orphan spirit that is, that comes with self-righteousness that I can make myself better. 
I have to make myself better because if I don't, he won't love me. I have to get better because if I don't get better, he will withhold his kingdom from me. I have to get better because if I don't get better, he will let everyone around me have revelation, but I'll miss out because I'm not good enough for it. And what happens is to make up for that, we become under the influence of a self-righteous spirit and we change the agenda for our life and we say, oh, I need to learn to prophesy. Well, did God tell you that you need to prophesy right now? Am I making sense? I know I'm just kind of talking today and that's, that's fine, but I wanted to clean up this thought to stop chasing everything. The Bible says, God said this clearly. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you remember that in the Bible? If any of you lacks wisdom, what are you supposed to do? Ask who? Ask him face to face. God, I don't know what to do right now. And beyond not knowing what to do right now, I don't know what your agenda for my life is right now. What are you doing that I need to be doing? What are you saying that I need to say? What work are you accomplishing that I need to partner with? If it's not in those things, then we don't need to be doing it right now. I don't care how holy or righteous it looks. All right, let's go to Matthew 4 and let's read this. Long intro. How awesome is it that Jesus, as our brother, knows how we feel? <laughs> Come on. He went through what we went through. He was tempted in every way that we're tempted, and yet he did not sin. All right, let's read this. This is the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. Then Jesus, verse 1, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whoa. Who led Jesus to be tempted? The Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? I just know this about God. Sometimes he offends our minds to reveal our hearts. And sometimes we need to go into the wilderness to learn what we really believe. Hello? It's really easy to say what we believe on top of the mountains where we're shouting and we're victorious and we're eating steak and we've got everything we want. And then you go in the wilderness and there's no food and the devil's there to tempt you. You find out what you really believe. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. I think after 40 days and 40 nights, I would be starving. I think after 40 minutes in the wilderness, I'd be like, all right, there is no food out here. I am in trouble, right? <clears throat> Scorpions are not going to cut it. So he's fasting and he's hungry. And then the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus into the holy city, and he had him stand on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And he learned something from the first temptation. 
He said, Jesus, if you're hungry, make some bread. And Jesus responded with the word. Very often, listen to me, very often when we're being tempted, the devil comes to us and we can say to him, the Bible says, boom, and he will shut up. That happens a lot. Hello? But then there's also another kind of temptation where the enemy brings us into this place and look what he does here. He's like, oh, you use the word of God? I know the word too. So he says, well, I know that it's written that he will give his angels command concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he's saying, God said already that he will not let your foot be cut against a stone. So you can just throw yourself down from this temple. Go ahead, just throw yourself down because I already know what the word says. A lot of times the enemy will use the word of God out of season to get us to move off of God's agenda to do something different. Oh, come on. So Jesus said to him, Oh, on the other hand, it is written, You shall not test the Lord your God. Boom, enemy shut up. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Temptation number three. Sometimes the devil will show you a shortcut to get what you really want before you're supposed to have it. And that shortcut will look good. Come on. That shortcut will, oh, this is just so much easier just to take the shortcut. How many of shortcuts don't always work in life? Very often they don't work in life. Especially when it comes to our soul and our, our spirit being molded. So he's trying to show Jesus, look, you gave this all up to come down here and put on this flesh suit that you're wearing right now. You gave up all this glory. And I, and I know you know what's coming down the road. Let me just go ahead and give it to you. Just take a shortcut. Just worship me. And I'll go ahead and just give you your inheritance right now. And what did Jesus say to him? Go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and you shall only serve him. And the devil left him. And what happened? Angels came and ministered to Jesus. Come on, is that awesome or what? Satan used the same motive, the, the same MO as he used in the garden. When he went to Eve and to Adam and said, did God really say? He comes to Jesus and he says, if you are God's son. Can I think before I speak? Can I say that sin is missing the mark more than it's doing something that we call wrong? Come on, let me listen. Let me say that another way. Sin is missing the mark more than it's me breaking what is right or wrong by religious codes. What do I mean by that? We stumble, we make mistakes, we do stupid, foolish things that we shouldn't do, right? We know, we shouldn't do it. Man, I should not do that thing. That's not the biggest issue in those cases. 
The biggest issue is I missed the mark. Is pornography a problem? Yeah, it's a big problem. It messes with people's brains, literally. But why is it a really big problem? Because it misses the mark of what true intimacy in a marriage looks like. Is addiction a problem? Yeah, it's a problem. Why is addiction a problem? Because it misses the mark of what it means to be in self-control and to be rewarded for controlling yourself. We like to point at these things out here and self-righteously we try to stop these things when what God really wants to do is adjust the agenda of our heart and fix the agenda. Is this making sense? So when Satan came to tempt Adam and Eve, when Satan came to tempt Jesus, he wasn't trying to get Jesus to look at pornography on a tablet. He wasn't trying to get, to get Adam and Eve to commit adultery with someone else. All he really cares about is to change your agenda. Well, God said this, but did God really say to stay in this job? Did God really say to stay in this whatever decision you made? Did God really say to do this? Because if he can get us to doubt what God told us to do or to doubt whether we made the right decision, he has changed the agenda. And it doesn't matter from that point forward what we do, whether it's an evil sin or even a good thing. We miss the mark. Oh, come on. We miss the mark even by doing good things when we have a different agenda than what God's agenda is. That's why self-righteousness is so dangerous. That's why I've wanted to highlight that over these last couple of weeks. Because I always thought, again, that self-righteousness was me thinking that I'm holier than someone else. But it's worse than that. That's ugly. (laughs) To think that we're better or more holy or more spiritual than someone else is just ugly. Period. It's just ugly. Right? But self-righteousness is me thinking that I can have a different agenda than God and that I can pretty it up. What's the old saying? Like putting lipstick on a pig, right? It's still pig. It doesn't matter. I could go even further, and I, I, I was questioning whether or not to even bring this up, but he calls our righteousness what? So everyone say filthy rags. And he's not talking about filthy dish rags. He's talking about filthy rags from the menstrual cycle. That's even worse. This is back in before feminine products. I want to go here. What is the menstrual cycle? Why does a woman have a period every month? Someone tell me. It it's all to yeah. It's a cleansing. It cleanses the body, right? It cleanses the body because there was an egg that went unfertilized. Life that didn't grow. 
So when Jesus was, when the Bible is saying our righteousness is like filthy rags, it's not only disgusting because of what it is, but it represents an egg potential of life and fruit that did not produce fruit. So my righteousness, me trying to attempt to do things for God, is a sign to God, and it's filthy, not only because of what it is, but because I didn't produce any fruit with all of my efforts. But God's agenda is always fruitful. Like We, we can never go wrong if we just do the simple, obedient thing God asks us to do. We can never go wrong if we just say, Lord, what are you doing in me right now? I'm just going to do that. I'm not going to add to it. Hello, listen, I'm not going to add to it, and I'm not going to take away from it. I'm just going to do what you want in me right now. But here's the most important part of all of this. We have to know what God's doing inside of us. We have to be completely aware of what he's doing and what he's showing us and where he's taking us right now. Because if we don't know that, it, then none of it, we miss the plot on everything else. And all of our working and all of our religious exercises and all of our attempts to be better and pure and holy are like filthy rags. They're unfruitful. I don't care if someone makes you feel like you're not doing enough for the Lord. Did the Lord tell you to do that or not? Do it. And when you do that, who cares what everyone else says? Who cares what you hear on Facebook? Who cares what you hear from your, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, whoever? It doesn't matter what everyone else says. Did God say to do this thing? Is God doing this in your life? Then get there and stay there. Don't go anywhere else. The Bible says that he is the potter and we're the clay. And in, in Isaiah, he says, we don't say to the potter, you don't know what you're doing. You should make me into something else. We don't do that to God. Am I telling the truth? I want to give you that reference so you can see it. It's Isaiah 45, verse 11. I'm going to read, actually, it's verse 8 through 11. Isaiah 45, verses 8 through 11. <clears throat> drip, downs, oh, drip down, O heavens, from above. And let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit. And righteousness will spring up from it. I, the Lord, have created it. And here it is. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An earthen vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Have you ever said that to God? God, what are you doing right now? Have you ever felt that? Has anyone ever felt that way? I've been in a lot of situations that were bad in my mind. And I'm like, God, what in the heck are you doing right now? I don't get this. I've, <laughs> I do not see how this can be your will. Who am I, the clay, to look to the potter and say, do you really know what you're doing? What are you doing? Or the thing you are making has no hands has no fruitfulness to it. Woe to him who says to a father, what are you giving birth to? Or to a woman, what are you giving birth to? 
The Lord, this, thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, Ask me about the things to come concerning my sons, and you shall commit to me the work of my hands. What's that in another translation? This is what the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, its Maker says. You ask me about what will happen. You question me about my children. You give me orders about what I have made. What I hope happens today and from here forward is that you are filled with such a confidence and conviction that what the Lord is doing in you is a good thing and that you say yes to it with your whole heart and that you do not move off of that topic until he moves. Hello? Don't move. Don't change the subject. Let him do what he's doing. And here's the thing. I promise you, I promise you, as, as the pastor of this, of, our, of this flock, that we will, we will stir up and promote a culture that celebrates your obedience where you're at without putting any pressure on you to change the agenda that God has for you. I promise you that. We will not manipulate. We will not deceive. We will not, through religious things and self-righteous things, try to move you away from what God is doing in you right now. I also promise that we won't let you stay still. Everyone's still okay. I want to close it out. If I can find where I am. In Galatians 5, we'll close with this and we'll do some prayer and declarations. In Galatians 5, he's, he's speaking, uh, Paul is talking, and he says, The works of the flesh, or the acts of the sinful nature, are obvious. Anyone notice the, word, the words he used? The works of the flesh, say works, or the acts of the sinful nature. He says they're obvious. It's murdering, it's lying, it's cheating, it's all these things. They're obvious. But then when he's talking about the Spirit, what does he say? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It would have been very easy and made perfect sense in his analogy to say the works of the flesh are this and the works of the Spirit are these. But he did not say works. He said the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because we cannot work up the things of the Spirit. They only come through the fruit that's produced in relationship. That's the only way. Why is this so important? James talks about us being tossed by every wind of doctrine, like the waves of the sea, tossed here and tossed there. Why? Because we're double-minded, unstable in all of our ways. How am I double-minded? 
well, one day this is God's agenda, and tomorrow I have a different agenda from God. God changes his mind more than I do. <laughs> but I can stop this roller coaster. I can stop this being moved back and forth where the enemy sets the agenda and he changes, he completely changes all the rules. I can stop all of that by saying, God, give me singleness of heart. I only do what I see you doing. I only say what I hear you saying. I only work on and partner with what you're working on. <clears throat> Amen? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened down. I like this version better. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me and get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do things. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And here's the part we'll close with. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Why is that important? Because any other agenda than God's is ill-fitting. It doesn't fit me, so we cast it off. Amen? Would you stand, and we're going to make some declarations. Thank you all for letting me go longer. I know that I'm way past when, we norm, when I normally want us to end, so thank you for that. All right, these declarations, there's four of them. The first one we're going to do is we're going to break an agreement with a lie, and then we're going to make an agreement with the truth, all right? So number one, I'm going to read it first, and I want you to think about it and make sure that you want to do this, all right? I break agreement with a lie that I can make God love me more or make him love me less, all right? I break agreement with a lie that I can make God love me more or less. All right, do you want to break that lie if you believe that lie? All right, so if that's you and you want to break that lie, say this with me. I break agreement with the lie that I can make God love me more or love me less. Okay. Now the truth is I agree with the truth that he chose me as his before I was even born. All right? Say this with me. I agree with the truth that he chose me as his before I was even born. Ah. Hmm. All right. The next lie. <clears throat> Listen to it and make sure that it resounds in your heart. I break agreement with the lie that I can work harder and be better for God. That's so like, oh. If we stop and think about it for a minute, we're like, well, I almost think I can be better for God. I almost, I can, I can pray more and be closer to, stop it. Stop it. We cannot perform anything and be better for God. So if you believe that lie or you want to break that lie, say it with me. I break agreement with the lie that I can work harder and be better for God. Hmm. So what's the truth? 
The truth is, my obedient surrender to God is faith. And faith makes me righteous. Is that true? So say that with me. I agree with the truth that my obedient surrender to God is faith. And faith in Him makes me righteous. That's what makes us better. Faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whoa, there's the Bible proof of it. Without faith, we can't please Him. So Lord, we come to you right now and I ask that you would untie the lies that we can make you love us more or less and the lie that we can make, make, you make ourselves better, work harder and be better for you. I ask that you would break those, cut those ties, those lies right now and I ask that you would establish the truth inside of us that says that you chose us and that our faith in you makes us righteous. And God, I'm asking you over the next few days, weeks, months, however long it takes, for you to remove off of us these filthy rags of self-righteousness. Hmm. All right, last thing. I want to I pray a prayer, but I, I want to make sure that you agree to this and you want to you agree to it. You don't have to if you don't want to. But this is a dangerous prayer because when we give God access, He takes access. And I want us to pray those that want to, that feel this, pray a dangerous prayer that says, God, nothing's off limits. I only want your agenda. Feel free to show me where I'm missing the mark. So when we get, when we get on the right agenda, those behavioral things that we think are sin will be dealt with when we get in the right agenda. Just period. So if you're here and you say, I want to pray a dangerous prayer today, And I want to ask God and Holy Spirit to have free reign and any topic they want to bring up, nothing's off limits. Is that you? Would you raise your hand if you believe that today? Yeah, that's good. See, this is what gives me, oh, this makes me feel good. Because I know that people that pray those prayers are going to see the hand of God move. I just know it. I know it. So, Father, we come to you right now. And we say nothing's off limits. Nothing's hidden. We're not afraid of any topic. You can do anything you want to inside of us. We trust you. We have no other agenda than yours. You're the author and the perfecter of our faith. Hmm. So we take off the robes and the filthy rags and we put on robes of righteousness. We trust you. We believe you. <laughs> now take us on a journey. Ha ha. Hey, get ready. I'm telling you. Dreams, encounters, visions. <laughs> Topics are going to come up that's going to offend your mind and reveal the heart. I'm telling you, this is This is fun. It's going, to be, it's going to be an adventure. Don't run, though, okay? When, when something comes up, huh, all right, I want to tell you all this, all right? Y'all give me two, two seconds. One, two, over. <clears throat> I want to make sure I can see everybody. The Lord's healing a thing inside of me, and, and I was talking to Mandy about it on Friday. And 
when I told her something, I just left. I went to the other room. I just had to cry, to be honest. No, I know you don't believe it. <laughs> Jared cried. No. And uh, I, as I was crying and, and going through this thing, I told her, I said, you know, when you, when you go into these seasons with the Lord and he's healing stuff, it hurts. Like when I was ignorant before and didn't know that I had, had an issue, ignorance is bliss. Like, I, yeah, I'm happy. Everything's great. But when the Lord really starts to, to reveal that you've, you've built a lie, you've bought a lie and you built upon that lie, when he does it, you're like, whoa, this isn't happy. I'm not trying to make a somber. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Like, I would rather not know. You almost feel that way. I would rather just don't tell me, God. I didn't know the law. I'm not, I'm not responsible for it. I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know the law. What, what do they say? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you almost don't want to know because knowledge brings responsibility. And so I was like, babe, I would rather not know right now than hurt. And then when you really think about it, you're like, no. I'd rather hurt right now and be healthy than be sick and not know it. So you're going to go through some times. I'm just telling you now. Like Jesus told us, that you're going to go through trials and hardships, but be of good cheer because <laughs> he's overcome the world. So in this season, when it gets painful, don't run. Come on. Stay there. Stay there. Chris Valentin says it best. Vision gives pain a purpose. So when we know that God has an agenda for our life, we can handle the pain we go through. Because our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's the word. So don't run when you go through this. If you feel pain and you need help, you get the privilege of getting to know Holy Spirit as your comforter. Oh, it's so good. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. It'll be a good season. When you feel pain... Invite the Holy Spirit to show you how he comforts. You're going to learn something that you never knew about him. Amen? Lord, we ask that you seal what you're doing and that your Holy Spirit will be with us and comfort us as we go through this time of being made healthy and whole as a church, as individuals. We love what you're doing. We celebrate it. And we are excited, God. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Everybody good? You guys are awesome. If you would like prayer, we want to pray for you. So we'll be here at the front. If you want to fellowship, hang out, we want you to do that too.